This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. In the summer of 2018, Robert Keene and I sat down at a table and said, we need to talk about Americana music. At the time, it felt that there was a disconnect in not only the discussion around the genre, but in the would-be community as well. Industry workers and audiences were leading the conversation, but there appeared to be a disturbing absence of input from the most important individuals in American roots-based music, the artists themselves, and rightfully so. Without a clear definition or reliable network, how is an artist expected to identify or adopt a genre as their own? And although Americana music has been formally recognized since 1997, it seemed that musicians were still trying to fill in the gaps between the usual suspects of country, folk, and rock music. It was then that the concept of Americana podcast, The 51st State, was created, a discussion about roots music by the artist making it. Since that time, we as a program have traveled across the country speaking with artists across the genre. We have recorded in studios, green rooms, and in front of live audiences. We have stayed up into the wee hours of the morning researching and conducting interviews and editing, so much editing, all without taking a single penny. On April 30th, 2019, after a year of writing, recording, and refining, Americana Podcast was released into the world with our first two interviews, Lucero and Jamestown Revival. First, I would like to say thank you to our audience, from those who have consistently tuned in from day one to those who are just pressing play. We are especially fortunate for our friends and family who've nurtured this project throughout its evolution. And finally, thank you so much to the artists, past, present, and future, who allow us this shimmering glimpse into the creative spirit. Because without you the world would be far too quiet. On this, our anniversary episode, we invite Zach Chance and Jonathan Clay of Jamestown Revival back, but on their recommendation with a twist. Zach and John will be interviewing our host and moderator of Americana, Robert Earl Keane. So join us from the BMI offices in Austin, Texas, as we celebrate our one-year anniversary episode. I'm your producer, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, The 51st State.
Hello out there, Americana Hello. Podcast. This is not Robert Earl Keen. This is Jonathan with Jamestown Revival, and we are taking over your daily podcast. And we will be flipping the script today, and we will be interviewing Robert. Robert, are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm absolutely ready. The shoe is on the other foot. Uh, okay. As they say. <laughs> and there's Zach. <laughs> and, yeah, this, this is Zach. And I, I do, before we start, I, I think it's we have to clarify that this is... Um, such an honor, not only to be back twice, yeah. our second time, yeah. uh, but also to to get to interview you because I think there's a lot of people who would, who would kill to be in this position. So yeah. thank you for having us back, and congratulations on a year of successful uh, podcast. Yeah, this is this is great. This is our anniversary uh, show. Uh, we've, been, we've been on the air now a year, and uh, the first very first one that we had was uh, with James Town Revival with Zach and John here. So now I'm in the hot seat. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, get ready. So it is a interesting to put to put the interview hat on is is it's different. The pressure changes. The, the pressure is yeah, it's no real. Doubt. I'll I'll throw a nice a nice lob. Okay, you ready for it? Ready yeah, for the first I'm ready. One. I'm ready. So so Corpus Christi Bay, did you really flip a car? And if so, what's the what's the story? I did not flip the car. Okay, okay. the the car had. Uh, I bought the car for a hundred bucks from a guy who was going in the Navy. And so we had to go, and so I was like, okay, great. We, I got car? this car. It was a 1965 GTO. Oh, okay. But it was stuck in the mud. Up Gas to its tires axle. and oil. Yeah, it was <laughs> unbelievable. And I, and so we pulled it out and got it on, and, and my, my brother says, well, we got to take it for a test test drive. So it was a, a three-speed on the floor, I think. That's what I th think it was. And anyway... Uh, so he's a good driver, but a fast driver. <laughs> so we get on this road in Corpus Christi. It's called Castoris Avenue. It's in kind of this rough part of town. And it was one of those raised roads. And on either side, there were these huge ditches, like eight-foot ditches. And we're flying down Castoris <laughs> at about 100 miles an hour. And I'm thinking, man, if we blow a tire... We're in trouble. We're done. Yeah, and he says, this thing's kind of wobbling. We might ought to pull off, and all of a sudden, boom, we did blow this tire, and we pulled off on this one of those hard shell uh, parking lots. They used to have all these uh, oyster shell parking uh -huh. lots down yep. there, right? Yeah, exactly. So we pull there, there, and we get out, and sure enough, this tire's just completely shredded, and we look around, and all the other tires, and they all are showing steel through mm. there. All of them were just it, paper thin, and they were showing, you know, like that steel coming out of the steel belted radials, had, yeah. you know. And here y'all were flying up. Yeah, and I, I said, man, we are really lucky we're not dead. So yeah. uh, we got a guy to uh, pick us up, take us back, and, of course, we didn't change it like with brand new tires. We got some used tires, sure, and, yeah. and then it Could was be okay. But it was uh, it was one of those kind of things where it's like, like you know, well, it works better if it flips in the saw. Uh, all right, <laughs> some creative license. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that you know that kind of is a good segue into into my next question, which which is you know listening to your catalog and you know it's. It's very story driven, and and you really I, I feel like you take your listener and you put them right there next to you as you're as you're experiencing these uh -huh. moments or living these these moments, and you know I feel like for us as songwriters a lot of times we'll write a little bit more abstractly or leave a little bit more to the imagination, whereas you're very clear about what you're what you're saying, which is something you know I'd, I'd like to push us to do more of, and do you feel like you ever had to 
seek out stories or were you just sort of perceptive to stories as they were happening? You know, do you feel like... Um, when I grew up, I, lo- I, I, loved, I loved story songs. I loved all those, you know, like the Johnny Cash story songs and, mm-hmm. the, and you know, the Marty Robbins story songs. And they always had, you know, real clear stories. A lot of times they were, uh, you know, some of them were, were barred from the Old West or... Sure. Some of them were barred from like some neighborhood, young, young sort of uh, coming of age kind of thing. Yeah. And they put those together. And I felt like most of those kind of songs truly had the, you know, beginning, middle, and end. And, mm-hmm. and I, so I really kind of patterned my writing after that. That seemed what was easiest for me. However, when I'm just without a, like a real life story in my head, I could sit around and kind of borrow from books or mm-hmm. things like uh, there's a song I wrote uh, called The Traveling Storm mm-hmm. that I wrote after I read this you know poetry book by Ruby you know this guy R-U-M-I it's like a uh, it, uh, he, he was like a poet in the I'm going to get this wrong but I'm going to say 13th to 14th century mm, I believe it yeah and uh, all his stuff was amazingly Fantastic, but also philosophical and almost sort of spiritual. Rumi, so, R-U-M-I. Yeah, yeah, it's really good stuff. I mean, it really. And so, after I read this book, I just sort of borrowed this whole idea of like, you know, floating around some unknown part of the world. Uh, you know, kind of gypsy sort of traveler. Mm-hmm. However, I made this person like an assassin. So. Uh, this assassin is looking for the person that he knows is looking for him. So so, uh, that just, you know, really, that was just sort of absorbing what I'd read and then creating my own story. Creating a story, right? In the unforgiving morning Caravans of shame Turn south to the dry land highway I turn to the sea like a snake so quick and deadly Sleepless, cold and cool The one I seek is making ready Waiting patiently You a big fan of literature and do you feel like that's influenced The literature, style? I think the literature has been like the key for me yes uh reading has uh an effect on all of us and i believe that if you really like uh literature be it you know be it you know uh harry potter or you know be it herman melville it doesn't really matter if you absorb those kind of stories right and things i think as a writer, then they affect your writing, you know, mm-hmm. so, particularly for me in a narrative way. Mm-hmm. But I think in many in many cases in a language way with other people, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. quite as in tune to how language fits, but I do I do know how stories are put together. So yeah, the, definitely uh, my best example there would be um, <coughs> I really patterned uh, the song Mariano after a uh, and I'm gonna not be able to call his name, but uh, a, a, a poem that was written uh, late 19th century called My Last Duchess, and it's all about this sort of, 
you know, like he speaks in a kind of flowery terms about how, you know, how much he loved her or how much, how much she meant to him. And in the end, it turns out that, like, she's either dead or he killed her or something like that. And so it's like... That twist. Of, yeah, it's a yeah. Great, great twist. And, the, and so... Um, but the thing was, was the, uh, the perspective was a, uh, a first-person perspective talking about one certain person and how they were, and that's how I really started with that particular. Hmm. Uh, it didn't, doesn't, it doesn't come out the same at all, but it does. It was the same approach. So, would you say more of your songs come from stories that you've read and picked up, or first person, ex first-hand experience? Kind of a fifty-fifty mix, or I'd say I'd say it's it's about half and half. I mean, okay. if I'm if I'm, I would say I start out usually trying to think of things that have really happened to me that seem mm -hmm. to be important, or some have some some kind of I don't know glimmer of hope or tragedy or or or, or you know great great outpouring of love. Yeah. And then if that if that's how it feels, then I then I write that kind of sto story, or I try to I try to mimic that story in my mind yeah whereas uh when i run out of those kind of things then i sort of go to full-blown fiction okay you know so how about jerry the waitress uh that came from um uh, there there was no real story there except for it was about two people that lived when i when i lived in mandara mm -hmm. there were these two people that were kind of on again off again always fighting always having a problem but always being in trouble with the law Right, mm -hmm. and then one time they just disappeared. So that was a. Uh, oh, okay. So the truth was they disappeared. Yeah, they disappeared. And you filled in the gaps. Yeah, and that's okay. and that's what what I I, th I was thinking of them at the time when I was putting that together, and so I thought cool. this is how she is, this is how he is, both always in trouble, you yeah. know, and and then in the end, you know, on the run. Yeah. Were the names fictitious or accurate? Uh, the one, the Sherry was a real, Sherry. was okay. a real person, right? right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. There's songs you write and you go, man, this feels, mm -hmm. I got something here. Was mm -hmm. that one where you, you thought, this this feels special? Yep. Or were you, what was your feeling when you finished it? Uh, oddly, oddly enough, Zach, uh, I, I'm always really wrong about that. You <laughs> yeah, know? I, I know that feeling. <laughs> I, 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 when I finished that song, I just thought it was an okay song. And yeah. uh, I didn't think that there was any real... Um, uh, you know anything really special about it except for you know I I made a pretty good story and it had kind of like you can fill in the blank at the after the end you right. know just you know where does she go open to interpretation do. right yeah but uh, I thought well this is you know okay and then you know I mean I'm sure it's happened with you guys I finished a song I just think this is the greatest <laughs> song oh. I did such a great job everybody's gonna love yeah. this song this yes. is gonna turn it all around for mm -hmm. me this is the top of the mountain yeah, yeah. and then you play nothing. it for the, you play it for your first trusted source and they go it's good yeah. you go what? 
Yeah. It's good. What do you mean? It's, it's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Are you listening? It's a ruby. Yeah. You yeah. haven't heard what I'm talking you listen, about. You listen to the song that I sent you, right? Yeah. What would be your favorite one that would you you would you would cite as like this is amazing, and then maybe it wasn't so amazing. Oh, of ours? Yeah. Well, you, you, no one would know it because oh. uh, <laughs> yeah. if nobody else thought it was amazing, we probably didn't yeah. record it. You gave up on it. Yeah. 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 Well, we always, you know, we have a, a period when we first write songs where you just, you're in love. Right. It's like, a, you know, it's like a new girlfriend. Uh -huh. She has no flaws. Yeah. She, you've met the perfect uh -huh. one. We uh -huh. wrote the perfect one. And then, uh -huh. you know, 24, 48, 72 hours go by and you yeah. start to see that, well, maybe it's not so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's not as perfect as that, high, wears off. as that high was leading me yeah. to believe. I'm not really sure what we were thinking there. <laughs> yeah. We, we did have... So collectively, do you have those same feelings? I mean, since you guys ride a lot together. We get each other worked up. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when we're in the room, it's like, oh, this is great. We'll, we'll uh, I, last record, I remember working on a song and we were demoing him out at John's place. And we'd spent all day on this, this song and just like really peppering it with these different sounds and thought we were getting real, real clever and we played it for his wife she came in and you can tell pretty quickly like <laughs> if, if it's connecting and her face is kind of like yeah and it took the wind out of ourselves but she's such a, a great uh barometer for for what you know <coughs> if it's good or not and uh it was one of those instances where we just totally run away with ourselves mm -hmm. and i think sometimes you have to step out of the room and come back and listen uh -huh. and have a little bit of perspective at least for us Broke down in Kentucky, Richmond there was snow We saw friends in Charlotte, we played on the radio And you should have seen us singing on the air What I really mean I wish you were here always write them and finish them in the at, in the same sitting or do you sometimes like to come back to them with a little perspective yourself i over the years i've gotten where i really almost enjoy the editing process more than the writing process it's hmm. like really tweaking on something like you know i get I, i'll go okay this is good this is good this is kind of weak here you mm -hmm. know okay. this line here is taking sort of an weak. honest look at and it and go you know let's try something else here that has a little bit more punch or transitions to the the point of the song better mm -hmm. you know just you know for many many reasons you know you would decide oh this this line is really weak or like this line is total bullshit you know well, and, yeah. and i i think in deep down if you've written it you have to know if you've sort of like thrown up a softball you know if if you deep down you know if it's a weak lyric or not sometimes right. it's whether or not you want to address it right that's true yeah and that's by the same t token you know occasionally there's a there's kind of what you would consider a weak line as something that you know is like you know some kind yeah. of universal truth everybody else loves and you everybody can overthink goes, it oh no don't take that out yeah that's great you know? know it's like yeah. that's the battle right? okay <laughs> I actually don't know anything about what I'm doing. Well, <laughs> there, that is so same can be said for just a song in general. Yeah, it's like sometimes a song that you just feel like, like it's just not. There's nothing. 
it's just right down the middle. Uh-huh. And then somebody else hears it and they're like, oh, this song speaks to me. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. so it's so easy to, to overcomplicate things. Right, and, right. And it's hard to craft that kind of song that speaks to a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. you know I mean, I guess we all try that. You know, okay, we're really going to write something that everybody's going to grab a hold of and mm-hmm. really, really like that. And then, yeah. And then it's just not there. Yeah, if you set out with, yeah. <laughs> I've just learned it's a that um, beast. anytime we set out with an intention trying to write a song that does a particular thing or sounds a particular way, it's just never, it never, it always falls a little flat. Uh-huh. And we're better off just writing what comes out that day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. He sits upon a stone in the southeasterly direction. I know my charts, I know that he is thinking of his home. I've never been the sort to say I'm into intuition. But I swear I see the faces of the ones he calls his own. Their skin is brown as potter's clay, their eyes void of expression. Their is black as widows, dreams of dreams are all but gone. Their ancient as a vision of a sacrificial virgin. And a son is crying from a baby being born. I was going to, going back to what we were just talking about, um, do you feel like over the course of your career, do you feel like you've always had sort of that North Star, this is what I want to do, and, and like a clear direction of how you want to create? Do you feel like you've had times of confusion or like a lack of clarity where maybe you felt like you were writing for the wrong reasons? Because I think as young songwriters coming up, it's, I don't know if we've always been able to Sometimes it's easy to sort of get off on a tangent and it can be the wrong tangent and not writing from the right places. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would say as far as like having some clarity of, um, of where I want to go, I, I always felt like I was uh, like I was set out on a road and that's the road and I'm going to stay with it. And, I, and I, regardless of what happens, you know, if, a, you know, a, a tree falls in front of me or a bear comes out of the woods and, and tackles me, I, regardless of that, I always felt like I was on that particular mm-hmm. road. As far as like making the most out of that road, I've had many times where I felt very, very confused as far as like, you know, how this was working. Am I, you know, am I, am I doing the right thing to keep going on this path, making this this work for me. And um, I got, you know, many, many times stuck in that world. I think that there was only one time where I really felt like I was gonna, well, that wouldn't be true. There had been a couple of times that I really felt like I was gonna just give up because I, uh, I just, you know, there were things that weren't working well, uh, you know, hard touring, times there were times when um i would make records and they 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 just did not uh stick they didn't they didn't work well and at the time when i was making the record i felt like i was writing you know really good songs and the and the stuff was uh you know definitely worthy of you know putting out there recording it and putting it out there but then got out there and 
you know, there wasn't any interest in the record. And so then you realize, you know, wow, how much time did I spend making that record? And what, you know, why isn't anything happening with this? Mm -hmm. And that just happens. I mean, people. It's part of the process. It's part of the process. Yeah. I, I, look at, I look at a lot of times at, at movies and and actors and actors' careers a lot of times, mm -hmm. and you'll find that like their greatest work, say, is here, right? And nobody hardly even pays any attention, but somewhere somebody has been paying attention because maybe a little ways down the road, they'll get all these accolades for a lesser work, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say, let's I'll give you a good example would be, you know, arguably, Jeff Bridges' greatest work was The Big Lebowski, regardless of you know how flippant maybe that that whole movie is. It was a you know his particular thing was just could, you can't think of someone who could have done that. Done that better, yeah. Better, that right? is that role. All right, and then like you know later on he gets an Academy Award for being a washed up old country songwriter, song song right? Writer, right? Yeah. You know, in a in a yeah. you know relatively flat movie, in, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, and that happens over and over. Another good example was, you know, I would arguably to me, um, Gary Oldman's greatest work was in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It was so understated. It's like the most understated movie acting you can ever find. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he is just silent and quiet and dogged and just, you know, there's hardly any movement with him. The whole, the whole movie, right? And then, you know, later on, he gets, it for, he gets a huge thing for, you know, doing Churchill, you know, yeah. which was, again, a lot of people have played Churchill, you know, not that exciting, but that other thing was really exciting. So somebody's paying attention, right? It, but you don't get that payoff right when it happens, and that's what you're waiting for. And that's, yeah. really, that's really tough as far as, like, writing a record or making records. It, it really does speak to a body of work. Mm -hmm. you know, yes, it does. I, I think it's easy to want to nail it every time. Mm -hmm. And some people have a knack for, for really finding a rhythm. Mm -hmm. But but it does speak to those moments will reveal themselves over the course of time. Definitely. The, the, I think, you know, in the end, especially if you consider yourself an artist, it's about the body of work. It's not really mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. each episode that yeah. you're involved. If I were the king of this old crazy world I'm telling you there'd be some changes made In my golden crown I'd lead the big parade If I were king there'd be some changes made I'd take you from your prison and set you on a throne. Instead of threads of linen, you'd wear a satin gown upon my throne. So safe and sound, you'd never be afraid. If I were king, there'd be some changes made. People come and they see you at shows and they have an idea in their mind of who you are because they know you through your music. Mm -hmm. But what they don't understand is, is that the person up there playing those same shows year after year is actually a person whose life is evolving and mm -hmm. changing. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've 
gotten to know your wonderful daughter. I've spoken to her a little bit about this, but you know, four years ago I became a dad, mm-hmm. and I've got a four-year-old and now a one-year-old too, and mm-hmm. that's changed my perspective a lot, just uh-huh. in on life and, mm-hmm. and music and touring. And, right. and you know, my question, something I wanted to ask you was just how did you navigate that as a dad? You know, what was that like? Uh, I always divided uh, the touring from my home life mm-hmm. and truly tried to set a, set everything like uh, career-wise aside when mm-hmm. I was at home. Yeah. Uh, there's something, you know, somewhere in the Dow or something that says when, when with family be, be totally, be wholly present, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I think in terms of that, I mean, it, when I'm with the family, I want to be with them and, you know, doing things that they want to do, not something that I necessarily want to do, or yeah. things that we all want to do together. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, you know, giving up times when you're really just, you know, just tired as hell and you just yeah. can't hardly put another foot in front. And they go, well, they have, you know, this thing going on at school or they have this, yeah. you know, there's this party that they're, that you have to go hang out at the party and just be yeah. there, be a chaperone or something. And you go, okay, <laughs> I can do that. I'm going to do that. You're right, yeah. you know? And, and and admittedly, it's not always like really fun or anything, but, yeah. but the more you think in terms of being wholly present, the more fun it is. And the more you become that it. thing, you know, you're yeah. the, you're the dad. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, problems, you know, you don't, shirk those responsibilities as far as like you know taking care of the problems that that your children have or your family your wife has you you face those problems and you know yeah as you well know some of those problems are you know uh, mind-bending and and you don't know the answer but they're looking to you for the answer so you've got to stand up and think okay this might not be the right answer but i'm going to step up and give it give some kind of answer to the situation yeah and you know you're you're learning it as you go that's mm-hmm. what I'm, I'm figuring out and and music is an interesting career a, a songwriter being a, a traveling working performer is that job kind of doesn't ever leave you you, you know you like it's <laughs> no. it's easy to become consumed 24 hours a day with that job uh-huh. and so I think you're you're absolutely Pointed and correct in saying putting those boundaries of being with your family when you're with your family, right? You know, and and not feeling guilty about it, yeah. Like you're, because it is a sacrifice. Right. You could be working on your career all yeah. day, every day, right? And and your career might be advancing further and faster than it is, but at the same time, you know, balance is such an important thing. I'm finding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the it it is the most. Um, important thing in you know doing what we do and mm-hmm. um, and ha- having a life too and I don't think that I, I don't think they're actually always mutually exclusive I think mm-hmm. that there are times when you know you can be together you know for instance uh, um, my my other daughter uh, you know plays the violin and I and and I'm involved with uh, this thing called Hill Country Youth Orchestra that teaches kids how to play the violin the viola the cello and the bass string instruments and it's been there in Kerrville for 33 years, and I've been involved with them for like 13 years. And That's great. Um, and uh, you know, so she liked. Th- I never did push uh, anyone to you know learn how to play a certain instrument. I just you know they were just around, right? Mm-hmm. So the younger daughter really 
when she was really little, just started picking up and plunking on a violin that I had. And I don't play the violin, it just happened to be there. And she's just plunking on it. And so she started playing. And, you know, for that, that was uh, great. It, that did give me a lot of pleasure in that, that I, I was in a part, different part of music that I mm -hmm. really don't live in, like classical music. Yeah. And, and so I went to. I'm literally hundreds of uh, rehearsals for the Hill Country wow. Orchestra, and you know, got in, got involved with them where we play a show every year and give them the money, and um, that's a you know a big part. And now she's she's gone on it, but she still plays the violin, and mm -hmm. she uh, really you know learned a lot. And uh, you know, also sat there and played with her, you know, and. Okay, this part, this, you know, go through all of that. So got to learn together. A little yeah, bit. so that was yeah. that was that was really great, you know. And then Clara uh, Rose had this just you know this great innate interest in just music in general, and mm -hmm. so that's the part where I'm saying it's not mutually exclusive. There are sure. places where they really really connect. Yeah. However, the other part where you're really you know just just trying to uh, be supportive, yeah. regardless of what's going on. Uh, there are things that you know aren't all that interesting, but you have to be supportive. You <laughs> yeah, know? well, you get off tour and all you want to do is sleep. Yeah, right. And absolutely. when you got kids at home, you get off tour and then you're on. Yeah, absolutely. You know? They're they're ready to go. It's go time. Yeah, it's let's go, Dada. Yeah. It's a hard old highway, a long slow burn. I think about you, making plans five, ten years out as an artist? Are you kind of letting each day come at this point for you, or are you... Jonathan, I, I swear, I would love to say that I had, you know, like I had a plan all the yeah. time, but I really, I'm, I've never been much of a planner. I've just been like a, you know, like my my uncle, Uncle Hank, uh, who, you know, um, I think begrudgingly calls me the old plow horse, which is <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I just kind of never stop and I keep going. I have, you know, I, I, I have things that I, I want to do uh, as, as an artist. I, I, you know, there's a couple of records that I would like to, you know, write and put out. Um, my, uh, my life in the last two, almost three years, has been really so uh, saturated with road work and being out on the really? road. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, that I've, I have put aside a lot of, um, effort as far as like just writing songs. And That's a challenge. It's a challenge. It is. Yes, it is. Do you feel like when you're on the road too much, you can't get in a good headspace? There's. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. a. You know, it. It takes me now. You know, a, maybe a week to even start finding some kind of like, you know, that openness that to you can get, feel. Yeah, we experience that same thing. Right. Yeah. You just. You just really. You know, you'll kind of sit down and start crapping around with a guitar and playing something, and just going, 
Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, did I ever write a song? You yeah. know, did, did this ever happen where I yeah. actually sat down and write a song? Because it ain't happening now, buddy. And yeah. I, I have to put it up and sit around. You know, and then, or I'll sit around and play a bunch of old Lefty Brazil songs or something. You know, just so, yeah. something that made me feel somewhat connected. Yeah, just play something that you know is yeah, good. Then, yeah, and yeah. I go, oh, yeah, I love to play that. But, you know, then, I, then you start thinking. This ain't writing a song. This is just playing a song. <laughs> yeah. This is only the this is only a dress rehearsal. Yeah, all right. This ain't yeah. the real deal. Yeah, this is not the real deal. So yeah, you gotta, you know, it takes a while to get get in that headspace. Yeah. My bag is full of letters, unopened and unread. I'm sure they tell the story of worry and reform. My heart is beating heavy. With all we left unsaid I swear to you I never meant you any harm The sacrifice and compromise Could never stand the strain It's been a long, hot summer Not a drop of rain You know, this is just kind of, again, seeking you know somebody's advice sort of from a mentor perspective but you know we had our first album we had a song that you know changed our life and it was a song that i don't know when we wrote it we thought uh -huh. it's a good song but i don't think we we really anticipated it doing what it did and subsequently you know you keep creating and then all of a sudden that gives you a fan base and then your fan base has expectations and uh -huh. they want you to write more songs and uh -huh. and there's some there's this thought that creeps in and it's this fear that your best work is behind you have mm. I created my best work mm -hmm. was that my best work mm -hmm. is that something you've ever struggled with is that something you ever had to navigate you know I try to chase that thought away all the time yeah it's uh, not a healthy thought no. it's not yeah. and I know it's not but, but even still you know. it's, it's, what, it's like once you've said it aloud yeah. though it's in the room yeah you know? and I mean <laughs> We ruined it for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Oh no! Look, alcoholics still like the taste of alcohol. Yeah. I mean, they know it ain't good for them, but you know, I know that thought is, is not good, but I sometimes can't keep it out. And I'm like, oh, I got to I got I gotta get that away. Uh, I I I don't. You know, I always had that idea. There's always these ideas that I had just sort of musically that I would like to, like you, we were talking about earlier about um, how you leave leave songs to imagination. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm like like I say like you said, I close things up and create like kind of full blown whole stories. Yeah. I I really would like to learn how to do that. Is like leave that leave that open ended thing to l let people think. Well, which way does this go? Or what happened here? You know, mm. and but still somehow satisfying. You know, in yeah. that way that it's like continues to leave that question you know mm -hmm. out there in the air and you're and they're thinking well that's cool i wonder if so and so did this or did, did that i don't write that kind of song very often and i would and i and i really feel more inclined to want to you know find that you know find that level there and i and i will have to say i've never really been afraid of writing any kind of song i mean it's yeah. just there you know i i i i've, I've really believe that I could write anything from, uh, you know, a Hallmark card to, to a full-blown um, 
a Broadway play. If, yeah. if, if, you know, given the right motivation, you sure. know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, so um, uh, I'm not afraid of it, but uh, at the same time, um, the idea of like, what else would I like to do writing-wise, that would be something that I would like to do. Yeah. Be more open-ended. And then the other thing is like, musically, I was reading a, uh, an article about Cole Porter and this sort of golden age of great songwriting, Cole Porter and Gershwin, mm -hmm. yeah. that, and, and all of that, that period between say 1920 and 1950. And they write these great melodies and things like that. And I, and I like to do that, I play around with that. Quite a bit. I never feel like I've ever found my own, my own space or my own voice in that way. I mean, I know the chords and I know how they kind of go, but they just seem like I'm kind of emulating what they've done. I'd like to find something that would be a little bit more like me. I wonder if they would say they felt like they were just emulating something somebody else. I don't know. Like you know, what I read about Cole Porter was that he was so prolific. I don't think he ever thought anything but just write another song. Yeah, he just kept going. He was amazingly prolific. I think that's the secret. Yeah, you just you don't stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just trust in yourself to create. You just go. You just get the gas. Right. Right. Yeah. But then when you run out of gas, Jonathan, what, <laughs> yeah. what do you do? You know, what, what's, yeah. what is your, what, what, what is your process at that point? You know, I think, I think it's almost, it's like a multi-pronged approach, right? Uh -huh. I think sometimes you can look at it sort of like with a real, um, like, okay, I'm going to try writing a song like this, uh -huh. or like you were saying, like uh -huh. I'm going to try writing an open-ended song and right. sort of give yourself almost a project uh -huh. to kind of jumpstart yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, and then it's just kind of that and just the act of just getting the motor running because uh -huh. I feel like once you're in a songwriting mode once uh -huh. you're in a groove yeah. it's easy to self-perpetuate that it's yeah. easy to keep writing right. but I feel like sometimes it's just getting the engine yeah. at least idling yeah. is the hardest right. part absolutely it, but how about those times when you just you know you actually are in you got that motor running you know that, oh, that, 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 yeah right it is, are, there is there's You're almost floating. nothing like it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it is so, I don't know. It's deceiving. It's, 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 uh, it feels so easy. Yeah. You right, feel right. In, invincible in a way. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, I always think it's going to last. Like, like it, it's like, oh, I've tapped into it. I got it. Uh -huh. I got this. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. grabbed onto it. And it can be fleeting. Right. You know, even <laughs> Absolutely it's fleeting. It's so maddeningly, you yeah. know, fleeting. There's old man Perkins sitting on a stool. Watching Butch and Jimmy John talking loud and playing pool. The boys from Silver City were standing by the fire, singing like they thought they were the Tabernacle Choir. And I wanted you to see them all. I wish that you were there. I looked across the room, saw you standing on the stair. And when I caught your eye, I saw you break into a grin. It feels so good, feeling good again. Writing a song and performing are two different highs, uh -huh. two different experiences. Right. Do you find yourself drawn more to one than the other? Do you feel like you need that balance of performing and writing? 
I think I've always felt like that. I, yeah. I, I do. I do think in terms of like you know the first thing I ever did was just write stuff without knowing how to play the guitar and just you know write. I wrote a lot of, po a lot of, a lot of poetry. Ah, and Jeez. there's our double yeah. bonus spot. <laughs> okay, now we're at the double bonus <laughs> round. <laughs> okay, the answer for this is yeah. worth one thousand songs. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, you know, I could, you know, found found early on that I could I could write and then write in a rhyming way and write like story kind of things and then then I, you know, started playing the guitar and I thought, oh, this is it, you know, now I'm gonna write songs, you know, not just poems, I'm gonna write songs. Yeah. And then I mean, I remember just vividly, you know, the first time I ever stepped on stage, the first time I ever stepped on stage was with some other people and a guy that was playing the fiddle. And he was a great, great fiddle player. He sang, sang a lot of Doug Kershaw songs. You all know Doug Kershaw? Yeah. Great, great fiddle player. Sang and played the fiddle at the same time, right? You know, played all those Cajun songs, you know. But he played that, and we went and played this uh, big agronomy uh, benefit at Texas A&M. And, and he lost his voice that day. And I just happened to know all the words. So he played the fiddle, <laughs> and I sang, sang the songs. And that was it. And all I was doing the whole time was just being frightened to death that I'd forget the words. Yeah, terrifying. But that wasn't like, but the first time I ever got on stage was at another place somewhere in College Station. It was a, a little bar there. And it was like a, you know, like an open mic kind of thing. And I got there and I stood up there and I played two or three songs. And I don't think there was a handful of people in there. But man, I remember thinking, this is the key. It all yeah. comes together. Boom, here it is, right? Really? Yeah. So to me, that whole writing, right, writing the words and then putting it all together with a guitar and making the sound and then standing up and projecting that sound and that those words out on the people, mm -hmm. that was like, boom, this is the trifecta of what I'm doing, of this kind of artistry. And it, that always, that's what always made sense. So the answer to your question is if I were still writing and not performing, I don't know, I'm, it might well dry up. As far yeah, as I know. you don't I, think you'd be I really, fulfilled. Yeah, I love I love performing, and it, you know, the only reason I'm still doing it as much as I do it today is because, you know, for my life, those two hours that I'm on stage are the best two hours of the day, almost always. Yeah, you know, stepping mm -hmm. up there, you know, whatever I feel, whatever I was going, you know, going on, goes away, and I step up there, and you know. Whatever it is, and it can be a crappy place, or it could be like a you know kind of a crummy gig or whatever. I'm not saying I play a lot of crummy gigs, but I still do. Yeah, so I was, well, it, you know, and I get up there, and then if it is crummy, I make the best of it. I think in terms yeah. of like, oh, this is fun, and then yeah. you know, this, oh, and here comes this cool solo that Brian's playing or something, and this yeah. is really great, and you know, and then I just always kind of can find Fun a way to lose yourself in yeah, it. To lose yeah, to lose myself in it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so you know, playing and writing and performing do seem to go hand in hand. This old porch just a big old red and white Herbert Bulls standing under a mesquite tree Now a dose of Texas He just keeps on playing hide and seek with that hot August sun He's sweating and a pen, cause work is never done. Oh no, he's got them cows and that red top cane. This old porch is just a steaming, greasy plate of enchiladas. 
with lots of cheese and onions and a guacamole salad. You can get them at the LaSalle Hotel in old downtown with iced tea and a waitress who will smile every time. Yes, yeah, she will. I left a quarter tip on my $10 bill. This old porch is a palace walk-in on the main street in Texas. It ain't never seen or heard today. A GNR and X's with the 62 poster. It's almost faded down and a screen without a picture since John came to town. Oh, no. I love them junior mans and them red hots, too. Yes, I do. Since you guys do this together, I mean, you know, are, are you having the same moments, each other, most of the time, or...? Yeah, because I think what we're feeling is we're very in lockstep with what's happening on stage and what's happening in the crowd. Uh-huh. And so it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Uh-huh. Do you get up there and get as vulnerable as you can and uh-huh. get positive reinforcement and feedback from the crowd, right. which then propels you forward to put on an even better show? Right, and right. it's like this symbiotic right. thing in that way. Or do you, you know... Something I feel like something's got to send it in that positive direction uh-huh. first, sure. and sometimes it's not reciprocated, right. and it's it's just weird. Like you said, sometimes it's like you and the crowd are in two different places, right? And whatever we're feeling, we're usually feeling the exact same mm-hmm. emotion. You're never having those those. What the hell is wrong with Zach here? Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny because we I are, have that I have that every day. Uh, Rob. Yeah, we yeah. look. We've had every. Because we, it is very harmony driven and, and this sort of shared energy. There's there's certainly nights where we get off and, and maybe one of us has felt per, like I felt like I just played a horrible show personally. Uh, but so John will be like, man, that was great, and I'm really hard on myself. So I'll be down, and then he's he's like, oh man, why are you bringing me down? You know. <laughs> and then sometimes it's like, yeah, we, we could have been better there, or we nailed it. Uh, I think the hardest times is when. And this just being truthful, uh, we've doing this for as long as we have. We've known each other since we were 14 years old. We're gonna get we're brothers at this point. We've gotten in fights before shows and had to play shows where we were absolutely just pissed off at each other. Uh-huh. Those are the yeah. weirdest shows. Yeah, because you yeah. don't ever feel like you can get into the show. Yeah. It's like the fight happens right before you walked on stage, and it's yeah. only been a couple of times, yeah. but. The whole show it's unresolved so uh, and then we're having uh, to like sing on one mic together and pro- you know project this well it's like so, you know i love you uh, yeah. so i always wonder if people can yeah. sense that tension you know it's like quarterback throws a pass receiver catches yeah. it makes a touchdown crowd goes wild and you're like yeah caught the pass get it <laughs> you know I, yeah, it happened. I, I'd like to say it we, a touchdown. it's never happened, but yeah. in, in all honesty, it has. And it's like it's like when you get in a fight with your spouse or your girlfriend, and like some the somebody oh. walks in, and you just have to pretend that it's not happening at the moment, yeah. and like put on your best face, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. Huh? it's called professionalism. Yeah. At that point, right? yeah. Well, and you got to think, you know, there's a room full of people who spent their hard-earned money on a ticket to the yeah, show, and right. they don't give a shit yeah. if we're not happy with each other right now. Yeah. They want a good show, yeah. and that's our job, right. yeah. is to deliver that show. And so you got to – I feel like that's one of the biggest challenges can be. It's just getting over whatever your 
Yeah. Get, getting Whatever. over your ego, yeah. getting over what mm. you're dealing with that day. Right. Also, understanding that you're not a, a perfect robot. Right. You're not some kind of AI music yeah. machine. Right. You're going to screw up. You're going to have some nights that are better than others, but just kind of giving yourself that well, grace and not taking it too seriously and having fun. Yeah. yeah that's, right. It's been kind of the key for us. You're right. And that's yeah. what makes it beautiful is, yeah. is, is the flaws, the imperfections yeah. or yeah. make it charming. The more you rehearse, the less soul and life your show has. Uh, sometimes. You know, I don't know. I don't rehearse enough to feel, find that. We, <laughs> yeah, don't we don't either. We never yeah. rehearse. It's a running yeah, joke. We, we practice it. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think there is a point of you know diminishing returns. You can uh, you can rehearse to the point of paralyzing. I've known, actually being an I've entertainer. I've bands that couldn't you know couldn't get it together. They just over rehearsed and over rehearsed until they just quit. Yeah, because they just like just squeezed it too tight. Yeah, sque- squeezed it too tight. We, you know, we do, in actuality, we do rehearse, but not, excuse me, not in a very, uh, you know, like a, a mid, militant way, you know. Yeah, so like get together get a couple days fingers. before tour, yeah, bang right. through everything you haven't played right, before, right, right. knock the dust off. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think in our experience, it's been that usually the, the tour, each tour kind of has a life of its own, yeah. and whatever songs you're taking out, or however you're changing the set, you sort of learn to play that that tour. Uh-huh. The performance kind of takes its shape right. for those days you're together, right. and usually by the end of that tour, you're you, you feel really locked in. Yeah, right. So that that's part of the the fun of it. Yeah, I I have my I'd say probably the most uh, common thing that people say to me about and it's not always like the thing that I want to hear but it, it but it, I think it is it is meant uh, in in all uh, you know in, in a good way in the mm-hmm. best way possible but the most common things people say to me is it sure looks like you're having fun up there <laughs> well, are, yeah. are you really having yeah. are you really having that much fun I'm like I actually am having that much fun if you, you want to see me when I'm not having fun you'll know the difference <laughs> yeah. you know yeah and, uh, but I do have fun I don't I'm I like I like being up there. It's a it's a, and I'm maybe not having fun for the same reason that the audience is having fun. You know, yeah. yeah. Or you might not be having fun, fun in the way that they necessarily think you're having fun. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. what's going on in your? There's yeah. a lot going on in your head right. when you're up there. Right. You yeah. know. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> it's like there used to be this uh, this this solo act uh, kind of back in the days where there were a lot more people walking around solo doing folk. Music, you know, not like back back in the the days of like the '60s kind of folk music, but I'd say more like '90s kind of people. A lot of mm-hmm. solo acts and stuff. And there was one I loved her to death, and she was really funny. Her name was Christine Lavin, and she lived in New York. I'm not sure where she was from, but she lived in New York for a long time. And she would do a show where she would be singing this song and run this tape of what she was thinking the whole time wow. she's singing this song. 
into the PA system, and it was just a riot. I mean, it's oh like, my like gosh. thinking about, you know, getting in a fight with some cab driver and oh what my. she ate that afternoon and how weird are those people in front of me and all this stuff. That, it, just, it, was, it was totally that, a riot. I loved it. Oh, I wish like, I could. That's so good. We talk <laughs> about the, the things you can think about while you're on stage yeah. is, you know, up, yeah. like up there – Wondering if I closed my garage door before we left for tour, you know, (laughs) in the middle of a song. Days full of rain, the sky's coming down again. I get so tired of all these same old blues. Same old songs Baby, it won't be long Till I'll be tying on My flying shoes My flying shoes Soon I'll be tying on My flying shoes We're going to take a quick break. And we'll be back with our interview shortly. Usually this is our time to share a new track or a new artist, but it is with a heavy heart that we are bidding goodbye to an individual who without their effort, the music many of us hold so dear would simply not exist. John Prine passed away April 7th, 2020. His work as a songwriter touched our hearts and inspired artists and audiences alike across the globe. Although Prine's physical self is now sadly absent, His spirit, presence, and music will continue to reverberate throughout our musical selves and in the echoes of time. With help and thanks to our thoughtful contributor, Will Vogt, we dedicate our anniversary Will's Pick to Mr. John Prine. When John Prine's debut album was released in 1971, we're sure it was slotted in the folk music section at your local record store. At the time, the acknowledged categories of popular music were limited. There was no Americana genre yet, and no rock critic had thought to put a word alt in front of anything. Listening to that landmark record today, it is obvious that it contains many of the elements that now define Americana music. His songs are filled with graphic stories of little people in our world. Sam Stone, Donald and Lydia, Loretta. Prine's words and descriptions are moving and often chilling. There's a hole in Daddy's arm where all the money goes. All his words and themes are just as relevant today as they were almost 50 years ago. It's hard to make a choice on an album that plays like a greatest hits record and maybe the best debut record of all time. After careful consideration, Will's vote is Spanish Pipe Dream. Blow up your TV, throw away your paper, go to the country, build a home. Thank you, John Prime, for all you gave us. Eat a lot of peaches Try and find Jesus on your own. Well, I was young and hungry and about to leave that place when just as I was leaving, well, she looked me in the face. I said, you must know the answer. She said, no, but I'll give it a try. And to this very day we've been living our way Here is the reason why we blew up our TV 
pressure to change the songs up you know every time you come somewhere or or does it happen more uh out of i don't want to say boredom but maybe for for lack of a better word or what's My, your what's your take on that i changes i change the songs up every every night okay but given that the caveat there is that a lot of them are the same songs i just move them around you know yeah so i just i, I just move them around and there is the and because i've been doing it so long that way i'm really uh, I loathe to do it any other way, you know, to play it night after night, same set. Yeah. However, uh, I do find that sometimes I think, you know, I've pretty much crafted almost the perfect set that always works here. I just yeah. like to just do that over and over. But what stops me from doing that is is the band. I don't want them to get bored or complacent. Mm -hmm. So I've got where I change things up quite a bit. And in the, in the, in the recent past, uh, because I've kind of refigured some of the things that the band's doing these mm -hmm. days, is I've gone back into you know way deep into stuff, stuff, yeah, and completely brought up old songs, completely retooled them, yeah, not, mm -hmm. not at all like the record, you know, something that I thought at the time when I was making the record I should do this and I did that and then mm -hmm. I, yeah. I should have done this and I do it, so I'd bring them back up retool them uh and um and some of them really work really well that way and then it kind of brings hold that whole thing a whole new life to it. you know yeah right, you know and and some of them move right up to the top of the sort of heavy airplay rotation where you know i'll play play them a lot and you know get a lot of good feedback about oh i love that song you never played it and you know mm -hmm. so so we get it going so um i always try to play it and, and more recently i've been trying to really switch it up where I'm not just actually you know just I mean, I'm doing the same set but it's in well, a different order well you know? it sure. keeps it interesting for yeah. you and yeah. the band as yeah. well right being that you you have some some really iconic songs that people have have latched on to have you over the years have you gone through a resentment towards any of your own material where you didn't feel like you wanted to play it for whatever reason or there are there are couple of songs that I just don't play because they were they came out of this period when I used to play by myself and I have these long long drawn out you know Story. stories and stuff and I just don't think they fit anymore and I ha and I'm not going to mention them because I don't want them screaming these out but people mm -hmm. know yeah. this yeah, do it. Yeah. people know this they I don't know yeah. where they know it but they know it and they and you know I you know I mean almost every other show there's these two or three songs that these people are shot. I we, swear, I yeah, think they come to them. our shows too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got the, yeah. The same people are hunting us out. I know I'm not gonna do that. I, but I just don't address it at all. I just yeah. I just keep I just keep going. Yeah. You know? But I'll I'll have them, you know, shout out these two or three songs. Okay, it's tough. Uh, you wanna give people the show that right. they, they paid for. Right. But 
sometimes you can't hold the show hostage for w- one song that maybe one person in the room right. knows. And also, they're bullshitting you. They're just trying to. Yeah. Pu- they're just trying to jerk your chain. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like another thing. way of saying uh, 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 yeah. the Leonard Skinner song. Uh, Oh yeah, right. Freebird. Yeah. 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 yeah, Freebird. Yeah. It's, it's like it's another form of heckling, yeah, you know. Right. Yes, exactly. So I just I leave those alone. We, yeah, best I can. We got to play with Merle Haggard before he passed away, which uh-huh. was just, I mean, gosh, what an experience, right? But we watched his show after uh-huh. we played, uh-huh. and this drunk guy, the entire show, Merle, play, walk it off, laugh it off, laugh, laugh it, it off, off. Yeah. really, just incessantly uh, and I knew Merle could hear him and he was getting yeah. annoyed but he just ignored him the entire night thought man that's an exercise and I can't remember I think it might have been Silver somebody asked him to play Silver Wings last night or yeah. one night he goes uh, he goes oh if I sing that he's like I'm too old to sing that song anymore if I sing that song tonight I won't be able to make love to my wife You've been working every minute, every hour, every day Still the work is never done The life you love is passing away But you feel you've only begun Laid out my sister I saw you toured at one point with Guy Clark and Towns. Oh yeah, how man stories? Oh, they were experienced. Were you intimidated going into that? What was your? You know, I couldn't have been happier. It was a that you know I don't count a lot of things that were just flat out luck on on what happened in my career, but that one I felt really you know really lucky. I went to uh, I had been I've been bothered this. he passed away this last year, uh, Keith Case, but he was the guy who was the booking agent for so many people, uh, Nancy Griffith and Del McCory and almost every bluegrass band around for at one time or another, Peter Rowan, and then, of course, the guy in Towns. And I bothered I bothered Keith on a rate, about a monthly basis, please book me, please book me. I'd take him to lunch, and he'd go, Okay, go ahead and give me your pitch, and I'd go. Listen, <laughs> Keith, I'll, you know I'll do anything. You know, I'll clean your offices, and and he, you know he'd always say, God, you know, to have room for you. And then one day, uh, um, one of his uh, uh, other booking agents, uh, uh, Denise Stiff, uh, called me up and said, I know uh, you've talked to Keith a lot about booking you, and he said it was okay if I, if I took you over, would you work with me? And I said, absolutely, hundred percent, and. Uh, I worked with Denise, and she was truly one of the great people in the music business 
for my for my money. And she became a manager, and she was a manager for Allison Krauss for 21 years after that. And she, you know, she just was great. She just she had great ideas. She's good about money. She just had everything that you think a manager should have. Yeah. Right? yeah. And uh, so I worked with her, and so she put me together with Guy and Dad. She said, "You mind going out with them? It's not." hardly any money and you just go out there and you open and you're only going to play like 20 25 minutes and i said totally all in so i did that uh on and off for about 18 months and uh for me it was just uh really you know you know i mean i couldn't have been a bigger fan and i of course i i left them alone because i was intimidated by yeah them. you know sure, it's like totally. uh, you know every once in a while we drink enough to where we'd all like buddies and you know hang out and stuff like that but most of the time uh, it was, you know, kind of like I just, I, I rented a lot Reverence. of cars for mm -hmm. towns because you didn't have a driver's license. And, uh, <laughs> and I used to drive towns around quite a bit if Guy wasn't driving. And then um, uh, I would play like my 20 minutes and then towns would play an hour and then uh, Guy would play like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. This is a pretty long show. But it was full-blown like um, a, a really good show. It was always, you know, just one guy, one guitar. And uh, the best part about it, other than just being around Guy, because Guy was really nice and he, he helped me a lot, but uh, Towns, that was a period of time when Towns was not drinking, like all the stories go on and there were no mm -hmm. stories about him going to a pawn shop and buying a saxophone and blowing it until he fell off the stage and those kind of stories, right? There were a lot of stories like that. And uh, he was, you know, just, he just drank beer because he said he couldn't get drunk off beer. And I think he was really right. I mean, he really just never did act drunk, you know. And uh, he, man, it was a whole different world of watching somebody. I always, I got, I, I just was kind of fascinated with watching him over and over because I realized he had something different than everybody else. And it was like, he actually like pulled you into his brain. and. Mm -hmm you could see all those things that he mm. was talking about. And it was all inner, you know, it wasn't outer, you know, it was like, it's all in, like he drew you into this thing, whatever he was singing, and you were just in the middle kind of, of that living song. In his like kind of a dream, you know? And I saw so many really great shows. And then after that, um, right toward the end, he started drinking again. And after that, it just sort of really, totally, it really took its toll on him. After that, he, he didn't do very well at all, but, uh, during that time, um, I got tons and tons of experience of just standing up in front of people by myself. You know, yeah. people that were real audiences, not just like yeah, not, not like like open mic people and all that sort of stuff. It was real audiences, and you know, in some theaters, I went over to Europe with them, all that kind of stuff. And um, that was that was the part that really, uh, I think, probably got me hooked about really wanting to do. In education, forever. Yeah, yeah, just like I can do this, I know how to do this. It's great, you know, great. I, these people are fantastic. I'm with the right people, mm -hmm. yeah. you know. And that was, you know, a big part of, um, you know, getting on and moving on with what I was doing. Now you're alone and barely breathing, looking down from up above, needing something to believe in. One only truth and love And the storm is slowly dying At the breaking of the day All the steel guitars are crying I'm rolling down that lost highway Turn your lamp down low Hear the four winds blowing 
Hey, well, I, I ask you, what's next on the agenda for you guys? You know, and I think at this point, we really, like we we're talking about, when you're touring so much, you just mm -hmm. kind of can't get in a rhythm of writing. And uh -huh. so I think that the latter half of this year, we're really going to shut down the touring uh -huh. and focus on uh -huh. just writing. And Still living in Texas? Or are you, yes, or, we are. Austin's yeah, okay. home. Austinites. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I'm, I'm maybe 10 minutes from here. Really? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's great. So that gives you a chance to just sort of like be in a, like a, good place when you're home it's uh, great yeah yeah we have so he said musical we actually wrote uh we've been writing a musical for the last four that's years. what zach told me earlier <laughs> yeah. y'all are that's pretty cool so we'll be out in chicago for four weeks for that and then new york for four weeks uh, really getting that thing well new york and then chicago yeah it's it's we got a little limited run in chicago uh mm -hmm. it's gonna run for about six weeks i think uh -huh. goodman theater yeah yeah and then and when does that start uh in july July. Yeah. So July 2020. Yeah. The Outsiders, is that what you're saying? The Outsiders. Uh, yeah. Susie Hinton. Uh -huh. uh, she wrote it when she was 16. Uh huh. Wow. And then uh, Coppola turned it into a movie. Right. I Had remember pretty, the movie. Pretty famous cast. Yeah. Right. Uh, very famous cast. Yeah. One so, of those launching all these careers man, kind of cast. Yeah, yeah. All those guys were young. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was pretty. It's been fun to be involved. It's, it's probably been about five years in the making. Mm hmm. So. Uh, Real education for us. So this isn't a practice. This is a real deal. This is y'all are. It's a real deal. Yeah. So that's a fantastic. We, we somehow tricked them, tricked them into letting us do this thing. <laughs> yeah. And so now it's, it's yeah. coming down the pipeline. It's been a trial by fire education yeah. for I sure. Bet. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't I, know anything. I'd, I'd maybe seen one or two low rent musicals yeah, before right. this. Yeah. So we really learned a lot. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different game. Uh -huh. Different beast writing songs for a musical than it is just writing songs. Right, right, right. I, I you know, I, I, can, I can imagine. I mean, I've, I've read a lot about writing songs, and it's just like a constant grind as far as like getting the right thing going, happening, and everything is expendable apparently. You know? Yeah, oh, right? man, nothing yeah. is nothing is sacred. Yeah, uh, I think there's a joke. They love to tell us that you you never finish working on a musical. You just run out of time. Yeah, <laughs> because you know, in our naive way, when we first started this, you wrote a song, and then that you know, like you wrote the next one. It's like making an album, right? And then we quickly found out, no, you write a song, and then you either scrap it or you rework it or you rework it again, and you. You write what you think is a great song, but then in context with all the other songs, that song is no longer right. Yeah. So that song needs a complete rewrite. Yeah. Wow. You, you and it's a song get, that's a great song. Yeah. Can't, can't get too attached. And and uh, and the, the the format of the story is different than uh, like a traditional pop song or yeah. something we would write for ourselves. Uh, you know, you're, you're advancing, you're moving the story along. So. Uh -huh. so the, the, the characters speak. so will it be something like west side story kind of thing like in that know? same vein yeah and a you know similar story in that way uh -huh. i think we've tried to uh bring an americana uh -huh. sense to it right. as best we can and uh help differentiate differentiate it in our own way and, and uh -huh. the people we're working with uh, the book writer adam rapp and uh, lisa tommy's the director so i think we're we're trying to give it a life of its own and still honor the source material, which is the book, which is incredible, uh -huh. and then also what uh, Francis Ford Coppola did with it uh -huh. and, and made it sort of a, this iconic thing. So That's fantastic, man. I think I think we're finding value in our ignorance and 
we don't really know what we're doing. Therefore, mm-hmm. I think this music sounds like nothing else on Broadway, which you right. only kind of get one chance to do it. Yeah. Because once you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. your art changes. Right. You know, yeah. but when you, there's almost, there's almost this real value in not knowing anything uh-huh. about your medium right. and just going off pure instinct. I think the hardest thing for me with that has been, you know, when you write a song and sometimes you just want to let the song breathe for a couple of uh-huh. hours right. and just... Just let it soak in what you right. just said. Right. Doesn't work in a musical. Yeah, it's space is not always your friend. Yeah, huh. yeah. So the song has to be so active and full of words and pushing, propelling the story along. That's been a hard thing to switch gears like that. Yeah, coming from a world where you just serve what feels right. Yeah, and what. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and that's your that's your barometer. That's it. I gotta go somewhere. I gotta go. Wasting time standing here I gotta go Cold steel up against my head They turn the lights down low In case you didn't hear I said I gotta go These are your very last words, sir Say them nice and slow My last words on this planet were I gotta go somewhere I gotta go Wasting time standing here I gotta go I gotta go somewhere I gotta go Wasting time standing here I gotta go question all right being that it is an americana podcast yeah. how do you feel about the state of americana music it, are you inspired by things you're hearing now by yeah. people or do you find yourself going backwards and listening to old music or is there new things no, no, that you're no the music gravitating towards the the americana scene to me is really really alive and well and it's and it, not only that it's 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 growing all the time, and the stuff that I get to hear that I, these days that I'm had I not been part of this podcast, I m- might have never even listened to it for one second. I just you know you know so you know you get you get so full of music you feel like you're gonna you burst yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but um, it's been refreshing and uh, and really learned so much from so many people, and uh, it's just it's totally opened me up to Americana, but also the how broad it is and how alive it is mm-hmm. i mean to me it's now to the point where i think uh, all of us that are involved in americana if, if we would be a, get a little bit more solidarity it could be truly a real force in american music i i tend to agree yeah. i i think just the the cooperativeness and the song swapping uh-huh. aspects of, of like the tradition of that right. would be nice to, yeah, to see right. some of that and it's not controlled like so much else it's yeah. really it, it, it's really it's its own free radical and it's out there well the the landscape has changed yeah. so much do, do you think about that in regards to if you were starting now how you would navigate I, I have no idea I'm, I'm sure that that it, just given my dogged nature I would figure out something right but I want to say that uh, 
the rules are broad and wide these days, yeah. and, and even if, if there are rules, right? Totally. Whereas, you know, when I was coming up, there were rules. I mean, there there's this kind of music, this kind of music, this is the, how you write this kind of song. If you're this kind of person, you do this kind of thing. And it was very, very, really, you know, in little boxes almost. And today, psh, there's no boxes. It's just completely take a big old fan and fan it out and start picking. You know, like yeah. a fanning out cards or something. Pick a card. Yeah. There you go. Here I am, right? So it's, uh, you know, for me, uh, in the world of Americana music, it's the best time to be in Americana music. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Well, we appreciate the time. Thank, Thank you so you, much. Thank you, Zach yeah. and Jonathan. It Thank was really great. Jamestown Revival, and uh, we've had a wonderful time. Thanks thanks for uh, asking me all these questions. I needed to get all of this off my chest. <laughs> I was playing on you. <laughs> thanks again. <laughs>